And welcome everyone to the newest episode of Ian Hates Music. My name is Ian. And I'm Craig. You know, I'm really happy to be talking about this episode. I love every interview that we do, uh, whether yeah. it's, you know, introducing people to new music or, you know, just talking to bands that we already enjoy because we only have bands on the show that we really like. And the reason why I'm, you know, introing it this way is because I never really thought I'd ever have a chance to talk to this person that we have on the show today. Might as well just say it out loud now. Uh, it's Steven Giuliano from the band I Am Ghost. And for people that have listened to the show for a while now, they know that Steven Giuliano is one of my all-time favorite vocalists. Uh, when he was in I Am Ghost, he wrote an album I consider to be a masterpiece, which is Lover's Requiem. So to be able to have him on the show is just really, really great. I'm very excited to share that interview with everyone. It was also a interview that I did solo too. So hopefully people don't tune out because of that. Yeah, but yeah. It I is wasn't a solo. able to join because of the, uh, yeah, some scheduling things made it a little difficult. But yeah, Ian handled this one. Um, so it's, it's definitely a, a good chat. He got the, you know, like you said, you know, I think that's really cool about what we do in addition to discovering new music. We get the chance to talk to people who have not only influenced us to kind of listen to what we listen to, but have really kind of shaped the way things are now. Yeah, and I mentioned it. I Am Ghost, I would consider post-hardcore. Maybe yeah. with a little theatricalness in it, maybe, you know, with a little bit of goth, but not, I mean, you'll you'll notice in the interview how we talk about the band and how Steven views the band as well, which I think is great. Uh, but it really shaped a lot of the post-hardcore that I listen to today. Uh, I even mentioned it during the interview that I think they were ahead of their time. Like, if they were to come out now or a few years ago, they would have been the band that other people look up to. And they should be looking up to them now from what they did is very impressive in the short amount of time that they were actually a full band. Sure. Uh, yeah, because they went through a number of lineup changes, and I know you get into that in the interview. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we go through everything. Uh, so I will warn people. I'll, I'll warn people again before we throw it to the interview as well. I do become a little bit fanboy. <laughs> at some points I had to be honest with everyone as as I always am it was it was a, a real honor for me to be able to talk to Steven and he goes into not only the past in the music but also I am ghost as we mentioned a few times on the show already I am ghost is reuniting for a show at chain reaction in October uh, and he goes into more specifics about that which is awesome and then I recently saw on their Facebook that they had a hashtag new music and had a little snippet of like showing studio pictures. So it's a possibility they might be writing new music as well, which would be really great. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, we go into all of that as well as he's finishing up a novel right now, which sounds great. We, we talk Stephen King. We talk a ton of stuff. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I hope everyone enjoys it. Uh, we'll have everything up so people can uh, can go ahead and listen to his music as well as everything else. But first, I'm still rambling. Craig, you want to take it away with some news, or do you want to do plugs first and then go into news? Uh, yeah, let's do plugs first. So, okay. as always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, you obviously found us somehow. As always, you can find us on ianhates.com. You can send us uh, an email if you'd like to get in touch with us. It's ianhates at gmail.com, or fill out the form on the bottom of the website. Please go on to iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, however you get your podcast, because we're on all of those things. Make sure to subscribe. And if you really like what we're doing, give us a review uh, and a rating. Uh, it helps us kind of bump up in the rankings. Uh, you can always follow us on Twitter at Ian Hates Podcast or on Facebook uh, backslash Ian Hates. 
uh, is the link there. Be sure to follow us on both of those things. Uh, like what we're doing, share it with your family and friends. Um, and yeah, thanks again for listening. Exactly. Yeah, so well done, Craig. I think uh, we can start with news. So we had three brand new albums come out last Friday, right? We did, we did. So Sayasin came out with Along the Shadow, Issues came out with Headspace, and Tiny Moving Parts came out with Celebrate. So I don't know how much you dug into each of these albums. I did Sayosin and Issues a couple times each. Perfect. Uh, but it's still not enough for me to really completely like tear into it. Like If I could explain to everyone how many podcasts I've done in the last five days, I, <laughs> I have not had time to listen to any music except for that Friday when I was at work and I just kept them on repeat. Sure. So let's talk about Sayasin first, since that's kind of first on our list here. I mean, what were your, your general impressions? I really liked it. Uh, I did I was, too. Yeah. I was, I was very surprised because a lot of times when those bands take that really long hiatus and then come back, they don't capture the same, maybe it's momentum that they had oh, before. It was like they were never gone. Right. It, it was old school Sayasin circa 2007. Yep. Very polished. Uh, oh, yeah. Great with the singing and screaming, guitar oh, yeah. work, everything. Everything really clicked well together, and it might be one of my favorites uh, I, in a I while. Agree. Yeah, yeah, for I sure. Agree. It was a really good release. Now, how about issues? So I gave that. At, I listened to it once, uh, not as many times as you did. What I know, you're a bigger issues fan than I am. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, they continued on the track that I figured they were going to. I guess is the best way to put it. Sure. It's, I would still consider them metalcore. But they are going more towards that, uh, like almost like an R and B core. Okay. Yeah. However, you wanna you wanna put that, I guess. Uh, a lot focused on the clean vocals, maybe soul core. I don't know. I think they're gonna have to make a brand new uh, <laughs> description for for issues. But I liked it. I, I think I got to give it a little bit more of a run through. I I don't know how much I enjoy it yet because I still think first impression wise, I like their old stuff better. Yeah, I'm so I'm kind of in the, I'm not a huge issues fan. I what I really do like about issues is the fact that I think as somebody in the scene who can be super accessible to people who haven't really listened to a lot of the heavier side of it because of their pop sensibilities because they blend in the rap and the hip hop because they're so polished on their instruments and they really mm -hmm. kind of let loose on the bass guitar especially on this this album you get kind of like this funk soul hip hop vibe going on Agreed. uh in addition to it to being you know super heavy uh they're one of those bands that i see they can really you know blend a whole bunch of different genres and bring a whole bunch of people into listening mm -hmm. to this kind of music uh, which is really exciting for me yeah that's i think that's a very very good way of describing their music and yeah it's just i just have to see if i continue to follow their, the path that they're following like yeah, I could never, exactly. You know they are very talented musicians. Absolutely. And what I like is they're doing what they want. They're not yes. classifying themselves. This is probably the most comfortable they feel. You know what I mean? With they they left Scout Scout or Scout left them. He was doing a lot of the mixing and everything, but he's off on his own. The other their actual unclean vocalist wants to be more clean vocalist as well, and you can sure. hear some of that coming out on this album. Yep. Uh, so they're going in the direction they want to go. I just have to give this a little bit more of a chance to see if I like the direction that they're going as well. Uh, but the, you can definitely tell, super talented. Uh, oh, yeah. They're a lot of fun to see live. I, I've seen them with uh, Bring Me the Horizon and a couple other people. So anyone looking you know, for a reason to go check them out, you definitely should. Like, Absolutely. For, 
for sure. So yeah, I would say that. And then unfortunately, I did not get a chance to listen to any tiny movie parts at all. No, that's fine. So I gave this, uh, you know, a once over. I was, um, I, I need to dig into it. Kind of the same thing. Like to your point, you know, there's so much music coming out, and I kind of get stuck in my putting my playlist <laughs> on and shuffling, or just like digging through and finding more and more new stuff. Sure. Um, but no, this was. I was. I was really excited to uh, to listen to this. I don't know. I'm. I want to say this is their second full length, but let me look it up. You know, a a, a really good album. These guys are super creative. Uh, what does it say here? They're emo math rock. I think I would consider them kind of fast paced indie pop okay. almost. This is their third, excuse third. me. Okay. So they have this couch is uh, long and full of friendship <laughs> and then pleasant living and then celebrate. All right. So their third full length with a bunch of EPs that they've done. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's a really good album. I was really looking forward to this. Uh, definitely need to, to give it, you know, a, a couple more listen throughs, but I really like what they do. You know, they do a lot of this clean guitar with some tapping, which gives it like this really interesting kind of that. That's probably where the mathy sound is coming from. Sure. And on the vocals, what they what they end up doing is kind of pushing the vocals, so you get this forced kind of really edgy vocal sound okay. to it, where it, it it kind of can roll over into a scream. I like that uh, sometimes. Yeah, and it's really good. So it's it's definitely like a, a really good album lyrically. Uh, it's you know they hit on hit on a lot of stuff. So it's no, it's it's definitely worth listening to checking out. I definitely will. Yeah, I think coming up in the next week or so, I'm gonna catch up on a lot of stuff. Yeah, so it's it'll happen. It'll happen. It's just this week has been really killer, and I think that happens to everyone. It does. Yeah, it's just the way it is. So yeah, yeah. So we'll get to. I'll get to that especially so uh next on the list we have uh amity affliction uh they announced their brand new album is coming out it's going to be called uh this could be heartbreak comes out on august 12th i was very surprised i didn't expect this early of a uh, release for them i thought it was going to be a little bit later but i listened they they also released the uh first song off the album for a video and it's called i bring the weather with me and I fucking love this song. I'm a huge fan of this song. Like, it, it's it's Amity Affliction for sure, but there's something a little bit different. There's a nice solo in it. It just sounds fresh. It sounds fresher than Shine On when that came out. Do you remember that one, that other single? And I'm not even yeah. sure it might be on this new album. I'm not exactly sure. It came out. It came out a while ago. Yeah, actually, like December-ish, right? Yeah, they took they took some time in between this. But didn't announce a new album when they announced Shine On, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think so, no. I, I don't, you know, I wasn't that enamored with okay. this song. All right. Uh, I really like the Amity Affliction, um, but, not you know, s- it's kind of stagnating for me. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Hey, that's, I mean, everyone's got their opinion on that stuff. I thought, that's funny that I think the opposite, because <laughs> I think they're rejuvenating themselves with this song. They are still sticking with the same. I mean, the whole song is a funeral. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... And the the music video ends with To Be Continued. Yeah, and if you go to their website for their pre-orders, and once again, they've done a very good job with what they're offering for the pre-orders. They have a skate deck, which Mm -hmm. is really nice. So if I was a skateboarder, I would love to (laughs) pick that up. Uh, But there are plenty of great designs and everything. And when you go to their website, it's basically like signing up, signing that sheet on a wake Mm-hmm. If you sign up for their newsletter and everything. So they're going, this is a 
it seems like it's a concept if gotcha. anything else so we'll see how it how it plays out maybe it's just they're sticking with that same tone yeah, but, yeah well in traditional amity affliction kind of vibe they're going to stick with you know to the darker side of, of things <laughs> absolutely that darker side that makes you kind of pull out of the skid maybe sure that kind of thing because they're still they want you to stay alive <laughs> Thing. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. So we'll see how they go, but I'm I'm very interested. This is definitely on the top of my upcoming albums wish list. Yeah, so, I agree. I'm yeah. curious to see what they do when you you kind of to your point about maybe it being a concept, listening to it as as a whole album rather than just you know one song here and one song there every couple of months. Hearing the whole thing might change my opinion on on where they're going. For sure. Yeah, so we'll see where that goes. I mean, they'll they'll be releasing more stuff coming up in the upcoming months, I'm sure. Plus, they're going yeah. on tour, too. They're going oh, on a big tour, but I didn't see anything here. I didn't see anything East Coast yet. Okay. So we'll see. If, if that happens, I'll definitely be going to see them. But sure. at least for right now, nothing else. Now, I'm not sure if this interests you at all, Craig. <sighs> Who was it that brought this up? I think, I think it was... Well, we have an upcoming interview that we're going to talk about. But I think, yeah. I think he might have brought it up in the interview and we'll keep that silent for right now yeah but, sure uh rage against machine has a new website where if you go to it's profits of i believe if you go to their website they have a countdown and i think it's on like a week plus right now and the rumors are it's going to be a super group where it's going to consist of Three quarters of Rage Against the Machine. It's going to be Tom Morello, Tim Comerford, and the drummer Brad Wilk, plus Chuck D from Public Enemy and Be Real from Cypress Hill. And it looks like Zach De La Roca probably won't be part of this. It's interesting. I'd be I'd be pretty interested to check out this band and see what they're all about because it might just be a continuation type thing of Rage. It could be, yeah. It could be kind of a, a Rage reboot. So we'll see. But I, I'm interested. Do you do you find any interest in Rage Against the Machine or anyone like that? So I like Rage Against the Machine and kind of that new metal vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I never was big into listening to Rage Against the Machine. I like all the songs that are you know po- the popular song, Bills on Parade. Yeah. Trying to think of what other ones escaping me. That's how much I've listened to them. <laughs> now uh, I'm now I'm having trouble. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely like right there's there's um killing uh, in the name of. Kill, uh, exactly. Calm like a bomb. I tons and you're you're right. Tons and tons exactly. of stuff. Yeah. And you know, they're they're just kind of these iconic new metal songs. That I mean, I guess that's the right genre to put them in. Yeah, um, alternative rock, new metal. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So no, I am definitely a fan of what they do. So we'll see what actually happens when this countdown ends. We'll see if we get new music, whatever it happens to be. Absolutely. Yeah, and next on the docket here, uh, Beartooth continues to release uh, new songs. Here they released Hated. It wasn't a lyric video, but it was just a kind of a music video. This is the fourth song now that they've released. Um, I just went through actually and watched all four. I think as I was watching all four songs on uh, on YouTube, uh, and they're all on the Red Bull Records uh, YouTube page. If you want to go and, and dig into it, I think they, you know, the name of the title, r- you know, really says it because to me these songs are way faster paced, way more in your face, way more raw than. The previous Beartooth album so look forward to that but great songs um really this is one of my more anticipated albums i think of this year sure uh and it comes out next what two fridays yeah june yeah. 3rd june 3rd yeah it's yeah. A, yeah i don't know if you get a chance to listen to the hate no i i've listened to all their stuff too uh this is actually the song that really got me excited for the album i love this song 
Uh, so I recommend everyone to go out and listen to Hated by uh, by Beartooth because, yeah, this, I mean, anything where you're talking about fighting back and being yourself and not caring what people think, like I always I always gravitate towards that stuff. And I think this song epitomizes that. Of so, course. Yeah, we'll and definitely. You have to love, oh, you have to love a good Beartooth breakdown, right? Oh, like, absolutely. <laughs> they, they do it like nobody else. That's the other thing that I came away listening to all this is they, they just took whatever breakdowns they did on the previous album and blew them out and... It's fantastic. And this song actually starts out softer than a oh. lot of their normal stuff, but it, it really picks up. Only for, only yeah, for, only for a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we will definitely have a review of this oh, yeah. album in the coming weeks. Yeah, the next thing is uh, Riot Fest. So if you're in the Denver or Chicago area, um, they're beginning to release the lineups for Riot Fest. Uh, this is on Chorus.fm, which was what? Punk? Uh, absolute Punk. Absolute yep. Punk. Uh, before, but uh, definitely some some good bands on here. Um, Thursday is listed here. Under Oath, Deftones, yeah, Deftones, the original Misfits together. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a that's a big thing that they've been you know it really has been all over the press too. Yep, I would uh, if I lived in any of these areas, I would be going to these shows because it's oh yeah. the the one in Denver is from September second to the fourth. And the one in Chicago is September 16th and 18th, so it's multiple days. Like, That's right. How can you not have fun going to something like this? That's right. So these lineups are really great. Uh, what a kind of crazy blend of uh, different music, too. Yep, absolutely. Um, so if you're in either of those areas or traveling to, uh, be sure to check out that. Um, this came out just a couple of days ago uh, last week. So, And I think yeah. they have more to, to announce as well. Oh, I'm sure because it's just yeah, so many days. Yeah. So if anyone are in those areas, or if you want to fly to them, it, it seems like it'd be well worth your time. Sure. Next on the list, uh, we have the new Ice Nine Kills video. Now, Craig, I'm not sure if you got a chance to see this one or not. I did not. Ice but Nine I have Kills. This kind of popping up all over the web. Yeah, they just finished that. This uh, they finished putting the tweaks on uh, this music video. So it's the one for. I'm trying to remember the name now. Hell it's, in the Hallways. Yeah, Hell in the Hallways, which is inspired by Carrie. It's off of their album, Every Trick in the Book. And I remember I've talked about this album a lot on the show because I yep. do love this. I love this album front to back. Uh, so this was a good choice for them. They did it. It's a music video with a, a couple skits as well. So it opens where a guy is getting picked on. The teacher like takes the person who's picking on him and takes him into a classroom and gives him this music or it's a story, but gives him the music video basically and says, read this, you know, because this is a true story. And then they do the yeah. whole carry video and they're playing in, in white suits and they've got blood covering them when everything goes down. I think it's very well done. Uh, and has, you know, the message, and they do a lot of Stephen King references in it. So anything, uh, if people haven't realized, I'm a mark for uh, pop, like metalcore bands making pop song uh, covers and anything to do with Stephen King. So if you mention any of that stuff, I'm all for it. Well, I think you like you also like things that are like way more of a story, right? Like So that's why you kind of gravitate towards, you know, some of these these other bands. Like we talked to kind of the things they carried and yes. we talked about... Um, you're a huge fan of Alisana. Alisana, yep, absolutely. So, exactly. So you like it when they do more of this concept and kind of pull from from these different references. So I think a concept album is like one of the pinnacles that you can do in writing music. And I don't know. I think it's just because you know trying to write, trying to write a novel, trying to write a story is so difficult. 
and then to put it into music and sure. music is difficult enough as it is. So now you've just combined both and that's what I love so much in it. So when a band takes the opportunity to try and do a concept album, I'm always going to give them respect for of trying. Course. And yeah, I love the story. You're absolutely right because I listen to so many lyrics. I love it when you can twist and turn and bring everyone together for that, you know, climax of the story. I love it. Absolutely. So yeah, so, so. everyone else check out uh check out the music video. I'm sure they're going to have more coming out cuz I think that's the only music video they've only done lyric videos i think for like uh the hide video and something else so i'm sure they'll come out with another one or two because that album at least for me front to back i think they've got a lot of singles in there oh yeah and yeah. they can definitely go through that so that was pretty interesting to me i was also looking on chorus fm recently and i saw two new announcements for one-off uh, reunion shows. And I yep. thought this was pretty interesting. So, Sticking with our year of the comeback here. I know, right? It's all about nostalgia. Uh, it is. I wish I lived close to these places I w or had the money to fly around and do these things because <laughs> a Thorn for Every Heart is doing a reunion show and they're classic emo, screamo, uh, yeah, from around 2004 or so. And they're doing a reunion show on June 17th at the Roxy in Hollywood and they're going to be doing it with a static lullaby. Both Craig and I are huge fans of oh, a static yeah. lullaby. And they're doing their entire first album front to back, which is just awesome. It is, yeah. So I, I don't know if they're doing, we talked about this a long time ago when they were re reuniting. I don't know if they're doing new music. I don't know if they're actually going to do a full tour. But this is pretty cool at least. So people, if you haven't, um, if you like that old, old school emo, screamo-ish type music, you know, look up. Uh, Thorn for Every Heart because they have some really good stuff and then Ecstatic Lullaby is more post-hardcore metalcore I'd uh, say maybe at least they, they do a lot of transformation though throughout their albums yeah Ecstatic Lullaby does that's true because um, they probably started out Screamo they're, they're definitely more Screamo in the beginning and transitioned yeah. to more post-hardcore I think that's right yeah yeah, because they went through some ups and downs a bunch of lineup changes as well uh, but they have some really good stuff if you have time to check it out absolutely I agree and then the other big show that was announced was the band A Change of Pace. And I'd say they're more pop punk emo. Um, yeah, with, you know, a little bit of screamo going on. A little there bit. Too. Yeah, sure. for sure. Uh, and they changed a lot because I know one of their albums is just almost straight pop with sure. nothing, uh, nothing extra in it. They're doing a free show in Phoenix, Arizona on July 30th at the Press Room. Uh, and they're going to be doing it with Greenlee Estates, which is pretty cool. And really? this is Yeah. And this is a Prepare the Masses 10th year anniversary show. And it's free. So you can go to their event page and you can donate. But it's also a free show. So you can just go out there and, and see them. So that's a lot of fun. I would yeah. love to see that too. Because Greenlee Estates is a band I never got to see live. Yeah. So yeah. I would have liked to add them. I would have liked to add them to my list. But uh, I always enjoy. So all those bands I really like. It's just yeah, too bad they okay. always do the far away on the West Coast. Like, we That's, probably got to move to the West Coast at some point. Yeah, a lot of these, yeah, you, you, it sounds like you need to live in, like, Southern California so you can drive to Arizona or wherever. Yeah, I can go see I Am Ghost. I can go see A Change of Pace. I can go see A Thorn for Every Heart and right? just really enjoy myself. Yeah. No, I Exactly. That's how I was feeling. Uh, but anyways, I think that's – oh, I did want to announce one more thing, too, that I, sure. that I forgot. Uh, so I also purchased tickets for the I Prevail tour. They're going around with the White Noise. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So they're going on a brand new tour. So check them out. They've got a bunch of dates. I just happen to be going to the, I think it's in August. It's the Brighton Music Hall in uh, Boston, Mass. So if anyone wants to come out, I'll be there as well. Check out their stuff because they have a lot of tour dates. Yeah. So that'll absolutely. be a fun time. So Craig, uh, what are you listening to right now? Sure. So in addition to, I mean, we talked to, uh, we talked about uh, Sayasin and Tiny Moving Parts and issues, kind of digging into that stuff. Um, the other stuff I've been doing a, a lot this past weekend was just listening to uh, my pop punk playlist and kind of uh, letting that. So I have some new bands on there like Hazing and Rarity on the story so far and then some old school throwbacks like Newfound Glory and Blink-182 and it kind of just rotates through all this stuff. Um, so yeah, it's getting, you know, warmer out. We're getting closer to Warp Tour. It's time to break out the pop punk stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for me, it was Sayasin Issues, also Rarity as well. But like I said, this has been a little bit tougher for me this week to actually really listen to all the music. So mostly what I've had is just random. Like I'll just tell my, um, my Amazon Echo to just play whatever Spotify playlist. I just haven't had the time to really like lock down on something. There you go. But yeah, I've uh, I've at least gotten those done, and I'll have a lot more time coming up soon. Do you want to do our uh, our segment? Yeah, yeah. So so the third installment now, episode twenty two of the recurring segment uh, has Ian hates music heard from from first to last. Ian, what do you got? Nada. All right, and that ends the third installment of Ian hates music. Have we heard from from first to last yet? Fucking love it. It's so it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> so let's before uh, before we get to the interview. One more plug for everything. So we're going to throw it to the interview with uh, Steven Giuliano. Uh, he used to be the lead singer or lead vocalist of I Am Ghost. He's also been in other bands like uh, Requiem for the Dead. It changed their name into just Requiem. Uh, the Silence, Monster Zero when he was very, very young. Uh, he's a graphic designer who has designed many, many albums as well as worked with like HBO and Showtime and Disney uh, he's currently writing a brand new novel that's going to be coming out in 2016. It's called Lovers and Kings. If you want to find out all this info, you can go to www.stevengiulianoofficial.com. We'll have all the links in the description. But one of the awesome things that he's also doing, and we talked about this, is he's giving away all of his music on the site. So you can go there and without, there's no payment, there's no nothing. It's well worth your time. We are going to play one of my favorite songs, and I bring up my two favorites. It's very hard for me to choose out of all of his music because I truly love every album. Uh, but there are two songs I chose to go into the interview. We're going to be playing The Most Beautiful Nightmare Part 2. And then to end the show, we're going to do This Is Home. And it's just awesome for me to be able to play one of my all-time favorite songs to end this, uh, to end this episode. But Craig, before we do that and before we finalize the plugs, uh, did you want to announce who we're going to be talking to next week? Yeah, absolutely. So we got the chance to talk with uh, Adam Clark of the band Rarity. He plays guitar. Um, so this is a band, if you hadn't checked them out, uh, we were just talking about how we, we've been listening to Rarity and really enjoying their music. But these guys kind of straddle that line between post-hardcore and uh, pop-punk Um they kind of, uh, we, we talked about this in the interview a little bit, but they, they kind of are one of those bands, we're just talking about issues too, right? They kind of bring together multiple genres here and they really can tour with a number of different people and have. Uh, so we get to talk to him about, you know, their tour with Sayasin, or yeah, Sayasin, excuse <laughs> me, Silverstein. Although I think they could play with Sayasin if they wanted to. Yeah, um, I agree. 
we get to talk to them uh, just about you know a whole bunch of different things. So they, they were on tour with Silverstein, Being Is an Ocean, Amorosa. Uh, we talk about you know how their musicianship has you know evolved, the kinds of pedals he uses for his guitar rig because I'm big into that. Yep. Um, and and yeah, it's just a really great chat. Uh, he again just really easy guy to talk to uh and we had a blast so it was awesome so be sure to tune in next week when we talk to adam clark of the band rarity yeah it's a lot of fun uh we really enjoyed it so we will definitely get to that so let me finish off these with steven's plugs and our plugs so i will have all of these in the description of the episode but you can find steven on twitter.com slash steven giuliano uh, same with Instagram, Stephen Giuliano, uh, Stephen Giuliano official.com, which I mentioned before. And then you've got facebook.com slash Stephen Giuliano official. And for the I am ghost news, you can go to facebook.com slash I am ghost official. So we'll have all of those. I know we go through those kind of fast. You'll need to know how to spell everything. It'll be on all the descriptions. You'll be able to find it very easily. And hopefully you'll check out everything that he's up to because it's a ton of stuff. For our plugs, Craig was nice enough to do it at the beginning. I will finish it off in the end here. You're listening to us somehow. We appreciate it very much. If you could, go to iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast listening app is, and give us a review, preferably five stars if you enjoy what we're doing, especially in iTunes. It really helps us you know, climb the rankings there. Uh, gets us more views, also gets everyone more content with the more things we can do with other bands that are coming on the show. Very important stuff. Uh, you can interact with us on Twitter, at Ian Hates Podcast, and then on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ian Hates. And then you can email us, ianhates at gmail.com. And that'll take care of everything. So hopefully, if you like what we're doing, if you if you hate what we're doing, feel free, email us, let us know, give us that feedback. We're very appreciative of that. Uh, and we like hearing about new music that you're listening to because we recommended it. Also, send us recommendations so that we can get that out to everyone as well. We appreciate that too. Uh, so all of that helps. So stay tuned. We're going to have Rarity next week. And then right now, I'm going to throw it to Steven Giuliano and you'll hear some of my fanboyness come out. So, Craig, do you have any final words for us? Yeah, what was it last week? Go discover something new, some new music. Yeah, something like that. I something thought you were like gonna, that. I thought you were gonna like edit it down a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. It's not polished yet. I don't know. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, and I will leave you the way I always do: long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.
All right, everyone. So uh, thank you for rejoining us again. I'm here with uh, Stephen Giuliano. And uh, Stephen, so I guess it's kind of difficult for me because I have a specific reason why I know you first and foremost, but you're all over the place with everything. So do you want to give a slight introduction to yourself? Sure. Um, again, my name's Stephen Giuliano. Uh, I'm a uh, musician, animator, graphic artist, writer. Um, I was uh, once the lead singer of a band called I Am Ghost. Um, yes. And I have a novel coming out in stores this year called Lovers and Kings. Right. Uh, the Tommy Rot, which is the first book in the series. And yeah, that's pretty much... Oh no, what that's, I'm about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's awesome, and I one of the reasons why I mean, besides pretty much always wanting you to be able to do this show, uh, I'm especially excited to talk to you now because you recently announced the return of I Am Ghost, which is one of my all-time favorite bands, and I have the info here. It's going to be uh, Saturday, October 22nd of this year at Chain Reaction in Anaheim, California. Tickets are available now, but it's like they're almost gone, right? Yeah, they're, they the first week alone, this, half the venue got sold out, and I'm pretty sure. The, the, when I talked to the venue uh, a couple days ago, I was told there's less than 100 tickets left, and um, we got added. A few bands got added to the show, which is uh, really cool. A good, a good friend's girl, my love, yeah. got added. A good friend of ours, Moxie, in the influence, and there's a local band on the show from Orange County, I believe, called Our Frankenstein. Right. Um, and yeah, it's, it looks like a fun, fun night and it's still really far out there, but yeah. I'm, I'm telling people, I'm urging them like, please, if you want to see this show, don't, don't wait another, you know, month or two to get tickets. I know it's in October, but I can almost guarantee that within next month they'll be gone. And I don't really know if there'll be another I am ghost show after this. We're, you know, we're kind of, to be honest, we're playing it by ear. And, you know, this is something that we've been trying to do for like three years now and, and get this, get this lineup and get this show going. It's not like we just, one day I called Ronnie or Timmy and just was just like, hey, you want to play a show? And they're like, sure. You know, it wasn't <laughs> like that. It, it was a lot of going back and forth. It was a lot of time, which was the, the biggest issue was everybody in I Am Ghost is in other bands and other projects. And at the time, Ronnie Ficarra was in Falling in Reverse. Yep. And he was constantly touring the, the world, pretty much. Um, and so when I was available, he was on tour. And then when he was home from tour, I was on tour with Requiem. And it, it was almost kind of comical <laughs> to the point where we would we would call each. He would call me, going, "Hey, I'm back in town. Let's get the show. You know, get out." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm gone." Right. <laughs> like half this year, and he would just like laugh, and then we would kind of just not really talk about it. And then, you know, we just, and then it finally worked. One day he was available. I was available. Everybody was available. And we just, you know, went for it. No, that's, that's great. And yeah, I was, I know a lot of our audience was shocked too, uh, when the news came out because originally what I had, what I had seen and what other people had seen too, was there was almost, you had like a special announcement coming. I think it was near the end of the year last year in 2015. And then, I read that interview uh, that you had done saying that you were done with music and we were all very, yeah. you know, very, very sad, <laughs> not, not expecting that. So then what was, where'd the change come? Well, in 2015, when I, when we were doing kind of little hints, that's when we were, you know, 
getting ready to announce the re- a reunion with the Hem Ghost, and you know it was getting pretty close. And then suddenly, one of the members got um on their their band got on a na- you know national tour, and it was just kind of like ah, uh, you know, because with touring, you never know when you're especially if you've never been in a band, people don't understand. It's like you get you get a call from an agent or another buddy band. And any time of the week, any time of the month, your whole life can change with a tour. Like, you never know when they come. They come at you, like, randomly sometimes. And I remember just, like, with Requiem, we were, you know, our album had just come out, and we were kind of like, well, what are we going to do for tours? And, you know, all of a sudden, William Control, my friend William from Aiden, called, and he's like, dude, you guys want to go on tour with us? And yeah. it was just like, and it was just weird, because you never know. It just happens. And um, that was the biggest issue with, I am ghost. We never can figure out a time to this reunion. And then after, you know, I did that two, three month tour with William Control, I kind of just was kind of over it. Sure. <laughs> uh, kind of over the whole uh, logistics of being in a band. I've been doing it since I was 18 years old. I've been really been in punk rock bands my entire life and um, almost my entire life. Right. And touring. Like, I've been touring since that time. And, um, and once you do anything a lot, you know, it doesn't matter how amazing you think it is, uh, it just, it kind of grinds on you. And, you know, I, you know, I don't have any horrible experiences touring. I actually do like touring, but you get to an age sometimes where you kind of just, you know, you've been there, done that. Just, I kind of lost the excitement, you know, when you've been to New York, you know, 20 times in your life and you kind of, I don't know, it just gets repetitive right. and I understand the new bands that are coming out, the baby bands that are never toured or they've maybe done a, a few tours here and there and that are still fire burning, excited. And I get that. And I, I totally tell them go for it. But, um, you know, it's kind of, it just kind of, you know, after a while, you just kind of don't want to do it anymore. And I didn't want to do it. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything to do with I am ghost or Requiem or the members or anybody. Um, but with the band, um, the reunion show, I have already, I only, Already had retired, and then I got the call right. from um, Gabe, the guitarist, and Ronnie and Timmy and Justin, Chad, and they were all available to do it. And I kind of, I was actually at first kind of like, man, do I, do I now tell them I, I don't want to do the show because I retired? But then it just, you know, I couldn't do it. We'd just been planning it for so, so long, you know. Oh, okay. So this wasn't, so this isn't a, a complete step back into music. So this is uh, one of the questions I was going to ask was about Requiem as well. The last I heard, there was a possibility of a new album coming out, but is that still stalled right now because you're just focused on no, I Am Ghost? There's no, there's no more Requiem. And okay. it, it, again, we were, we were writing the album, the full length. We, had, we were due another album with um, Cleopatra Records who yep. released the first album. And, you know, we were, we were practicing, you know, three times a week. We were writing the album. We were in the studio. We were writing, writing, writing. And then, you know, for me, again, it just, my passion for going into the studio and writing music just was fizzling. I can feel it every month. Just, it was less like, hey, I'm really excited to go in the studio and write music. It was more like, I really wish I didn't have to go to practice today. Uh, I would rather be st- sitting at home on my um, laptop working on my book. Um, that was something that was I was really passionate about was my novel, and I, you know, another, another thing I've been putting it to a side for over you know seven eight years is this book that I've been trying to write. But every time you know I get onto it, you know, whatever band I was in, mostly I'm Ghost. I was 
touring 300 days a year and I am ghost. And, yep. Um, you know, people know if you're touring and you're in a van and trailer or if you're in a tour bus, it's almost virtually impossible to sit at a laptop yeah. and get, get concentrated and get creative as a novelist and write, you know, right. cause there's just too much going on. There's just too much music, people talking, you know, just drama, getting ready, preparing for the show. And uh, I never could finish it. And so that was something, another thing that kind of led me away from music was, you know, I just was feeling more passionate about writing stories than, you know, doing music and playing shows. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, before we go back to the to the music, because obviously I have plenty of questions for that as well. Um, I'm also looking forward to Lovers and Kings. You're planning on releasing that this year, right? Yeah, right now it's in the editing process. I have a few other fellow writers and um you know, avid readers of horror and fantasy that are, we're doing this little uh, Lovers and Kings community right now. It's a secret community on Facebook, which is only added by myself and writers that I know. Oh, very nice. And we're kind of, they're, they're kind of going through the book, you know, giving me their thoughts. My, the thing with me is that, that I have very thick skin. You have to be as a writer and you have to be as a musician. You can't, you can't let the littlest thing bum you out. You know, there's going to be a million people that are going to love your band, and there's going to be a million people that just absolutely think you're the worst music right. ever. And I learned that the hard way growing up. Um, at first, when you're a musician and you're young, you get kind of, you know, disturbed and bummed out when you see really bad reviews. It doesn't matter if you've read 20 great reviews in your album, you read a really nasty one, that's the only one you remember. It's really weird how that works. Exactly, but, yep. And uh, I, so with my book is I'm kind of trying to, letting fellow editors that are, you know, creatives, you know, to look it over and give me their thoughts and opinions and kind of making things. And I, I just want to release it and, you know, have a mediocre story. I really want this to be that, almost like music. It changes people's lives that they read the book and they're like, this is the thing I've been waiting for for a very long time because this is a pretty <laughs> epic story. I mean, this is a book one. Yep. In a series of maybe eight, I'm hoping. Oh so wow. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Ah, it's gonna be. It's it's a long story and it's a lot going on and so that's why there's a lot of going back and forth and fixing things and change things around, and make sure everything it coincides with the other you know books. Sure. Yeah, that sounds very like a Stephen King Dark Tower esque. Yes, that's one of my favorite art- authors and. Uh, oh, very nice. You know, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a very dark book it's i mean i tell people before they read it my writer friends and other uh people that are into the books right i do always tell them this book is a mature audience it's very graphic not very graphic the majority of the, of the story is fantasy based with horror but there are certain parts that are pretty detailed in the graphic department and i just wanted to make sure that i don't want to you know bum them out and piss them off if they're not into that kind of stuff. I just want to give them a, a fair warning that, you know, there's no characters in my books that are, they're all fair game to die, you know. Ah, sure. it's, and that's what I love about Stephen King or, you know, other authors is when you fall in love with a character, then, you know, two books in, they get killed off. It, I don't know. I, or Walking Dead is a perfect example. You fall in love with your, your favorite character and then they get chopped off and eaten by zombies. Oh, absolutely. It some people out, but I love that aspect. Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones as well. You know, yep. just you never know who's safe, and I, I like that aspect of Lovers and Kings. No, I'm completely with you. Uh, it's the same for me. Stephen King is my favorite author. Uh, Dark Tower. I have uh, tattoos dedicated to that book. Uh, that whole series. Nice. Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, so this is. I mean, when I was looking at 
your graphic design as well. You're very talented at that. I was looking at those pictures and also like the cover uh, to Lovers and Kings that you've actually put out. Is, is that kind of influenced by that as well? Are you going to be able to add some of that illustration to it? Because that looks very, if you've seen the, uh, the Dark Tower uh, graphic novels, it's on the similar vein, but you've got more of the fantasy darkness in it as well. And I really enjoy that. Yeah, there, there, there is going to be actually after every chapter um, in this book, there's a piece of artwork, a full page of whatever previously w- was going on in, the, in that chapter. That, so there is a lot of artwork actually in the story. And that's another reason why this, this graphic design, this book is taking so long. I know a lot of friends are like, you know, you've been talking about this book for so long, and I, I tell them I understand, but, you know, I'm also writing it. I'm also doing all the artwork. And um, so it does take an extra amount of time, which is fine by me. I, you know, I I like that about about stuff like, you know, when you go through a book and you can see a piece of artwork that kind of, like, conveys the story. And it's, you know, I have always appreciated stuff like that. So, and my stuff is very detailed, so it takes time. I mean, some art can take up to three weeks just for one page. Oh, right. You know? sure. So, yeah, it's pretty detailed. So, um, but it's it's finished, and uh, right now we're just tweaking it, and, you know, we're hopefully cross your fingers and hopefully people like it. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for too. Can you, uh, can you at least so right now? Can you give us a brief, very brief overview? Yeah, the Lovers and Kings is a story which uh, takes place over a hundred years. Uh, begins in 1914 during the World War One, mm-hmm. the Great War, and it's you know, I've always had a fascination with war, especially with like World War Two and, and World War One. And I feel with World War One, it doesn't really get as much attention as obviously World War Two and the Nazis. And True. and the more I dwelled into it and researched World War One, um, I found how intense that that war was. It was the first use of of chemical warfare with mustard gas. Um, it was blood way bloodier actually than World War Two. More people died in World War One than they died in World War Two. Right. Millions and millions and mil- millions of people. Uh, died and another issue that was really kind of strongly, which is part of the story, is um, during that time there was a huge outbreak of the Spanish flu, which began in 19, 1914. No one knows where it came from, and to this day, it it no one knows why it disappeared. It only lasted for about four years. Okay, and it's very strange. It's very creepy. Came and went, just wiped out forty million people, then wow. just then just basically disappeared and. You know, um, and the story is, is is based in a village in France, and it's actually based on a real place in France, um, Bezavaux, which is uh, a village that right now you can go and visit. It's a com- completely ghost town village that um, that uh, got destroyed in one of the battles that were done in oh. in the war, and and it's really cool because no one really knows too much about what happened to all the people and where they all went and it's a I don't want to give away too much because oh, sure. you know even the littlest thing I say can kind of give a hint to what you know happens in right. the story but that's the basis that something something goes on in that village before the battle over done and, and kind of explains what happened to all these um you know villagers and, you know follows the story of Michael Abney and Peter Duran which are two kids in the story two 10-year-olds okay very Stephen King it you know it uh, I love that where the kids meet 
group of children, you know, kind of figure out, you know, these are they're 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 kind of intertwined for a reason, kind of outcast mother of the children, and they have to kind of figure out, you know, what's going on. And you know, I really wish I could say more, but I oh, feel right. like if I did, it might it might destroy the whole story. But um, you know, it's I'm really proud of it. It's one of the you know, people have asked me like, do you are you more proud of your music you've done in the past, you know, fourteen, fifteen years, or your, your this this book? And I, I can almost say this book is by far what I'm more wow. most proud of. Because with music, you know, you gotta get a, you gotta depend on so many people. You gotta depend on your musicians, you got your friends, your your sure. agent, your manager, your label. Uh, there's just so many people that kind of define you in your career. When you're a writer, and it's just it's just you, right. literally. If 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 this book bombs, then it's it's my fault. You know, the band. It could be many reasons for why the band failed. You know, very true. Um, and so I like I like it when there's a lot of pressure. The more pressure I have on me, it seems like better I do. To be completely honest, oh, I don't that's... know what it is. But... Well, then yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm definitely looking forward to the book, and I'm I really liked your synopsis there because yeah, I think that'll get people really interested in it uh so do you have so you said probably this year you're you're going through the editing process now uh but is that kind of we're looking the, at like yeah. a winter oh, release okay. kind of more towards halloween ish because it just feels like it would be around that time where you know people are in the best best of uh, spirits for you know you know horror-esque type novels True. um and just seems like it'd be the right time around that time is good because it's christmas and um but um I'm not in a rush to release it, meaning that if it needs to go through more editing and more artwork or redefining of certain issues in the book, then I'm not going to just release it for the sake of releasing it. I'd rather, you know, make this something that I can be proud of because it's just like music. Once it gets out on the internet, it's there forever. Yeah. It's, it's so it's something that I've always told bands too, like spend time on your demos. Like if you got to, work your summer job and, and, and save up an extra five grand to make it sound better, do it. You know, and I know a lot of my friends' bands, you know, I, I'm always trying to be helpful and teach them as much as I can. And I always tell them that there's no rush. And I learned the hard way too. I was the same way when I was a kid. Like you get so excited about your music, you think you're the greatest band in the world and you just want to put something out. And then <laughs> I look back in some of my old music from my older bands and yeah. I just go, I cringe. I go, oh my God, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny I have and I, I we're gonna have links to this as well but you have on your website that you can go back and I was I was briefly familiar uh, with the silence uh, but I hadn't heard of uh, Monster Zero before <laughs> until I started looking it up because you have you have the ability and this is awesome for, for everyone listening we'll have the link up but uh, you've put all of your music up for free for anyone to go ahead and get it so that's all the I Am Ghost albums uh, that's all the silence and uh, demos that you have as well, which is really cool. Yeah, the you know, I never have done music to make money. I I've always done music because I just love performing, and that was a big thing about me when I was starting music. Is that when I, when I was a kid, like early eight year old, ten year old, I was um, I was in a lot of musical theater, which got me into the kind. Of, got the bug for performing and doing musicals and as in Tommy and Gypsy and Chorus Line and all these oh, other sure. musicals and and uh and so when I got eighteen, nineteen and I started doing music 
for me, it was, I always had a job. I was interning at Disney or I was working for, you know, graphic design studios or whatever, working on films. The weekends for me was, that was the time for me to play with my bands and we'd jam and, or we'd play shows on a Saturday night or it was mostly just for fun. I never really, if you would have told me like in high school, like, Hey Steve, one day you're going to be a professional touring musician, um, traveling the world, playing music. I would have been like, yeah, right. right. I would have <laughs> laughed because I never thought that would ever happen to me. The whole thing was almost luck. I mean, to be completely honest. Oh yeah. Like well, if you want, can you uh, can you go through that story? Because I would think that the the biggest, or at least the the band that broke out the largest, would have been I Am Ghost. Uh, with yeah, was that for the EP that you really busted out there, or was it with actual um, with uh, Lovers Requiem? No, so it, it's funny because you know I've talked to a lot of label execs and people that have been doing this for a long time and managing bands and the. the the thing with I am Ghost is something that will that will never happen again. And if it, it's like it was one in a million bands, meaning we we met, all met on MySpace. Then oh yeah, that's we right. We all yeah. met and start. Yeah, it was the MySpace day, two thousand five, yep. <laughs> and we uh, we all randomly just met in my garage. My studio I built in my garage, and it was to me it was almost I can't explain it like I've been in so many bands but it, you know usually when you start bands you go through a bunch of members and you don't play for a while and it takes you to record and no one really gives a shit about your music for at least a few years when you're starting out in music um, right with I Am Ghost I don't know what happened we, we met it was like magic we clicked I think we wrote like We're Always Searching and Pretty People Never Lie yep um, I think like in the first practice we wrote like three songs um, that's amazing and um we, we, at the time, we were all working jobs and doing you know, our own thing. And uh, we burned, I think it was, I don't know, 4,000 CDRs. We, we just, all of us would like put our money together every week, go down to the nearest Best Buy, whatever store was open around that time, buy as many blank CDRs as we can find or pay for, and then just literally have like burning CD session parties where oh, we'd all bring our laptops over or computers or I bought a disc changer or CD burner. You can burn like three CDs at a time. Oh, there you go. And we just stay up all, all night burning CDs, watching movies, burning CDs. And then we would handwrite, we, we'd physically handwrite I Am Ghost <laughs> on like on a Sharpie on the CD. And it was really ghetto, but we then would go to every punk rock show, hardcore show, any show that we thought would be kids there. And we'd wait outside and we'd hand out CDRs and, yeah. um, and we'd, you know, give hundreds of years a week. And it was funny because I remember being out in the cold outside of Chain Reaction, you know, before I'm just at one show. And I'd be, it'd be me, I, I swear to God, um, this is who it was. It was me, Dust, Dust, Dusty from um, Thrice, uh, oh. Matt from Event Sevenfold, the guys from Betray You. It was all these no-name bands at the time. Just, please check on my band. Please check on my band. You know, flyer, you know, about your band. And right. I just remember doing that and, and going, wow, all these bands, you know, the, the bands that really busted their tail and actually did that all were successful. I, I, I it really kind of, you know, kind of kicked me in the ass throughout my whole, after that, learning from that experience, because then I learned, you know, the only way you're going to get a, get noticed is if you, if you, you know, just take it upon yourself to get out there. And, right. um, 
it just started, it's weird. The CD started passing around. We would send boxes of them to schools and kids in high school and they'd pass them out to their friends. And then we played our first show and it was just utterly ridiculously sold out. And, um, it was one of those things where we just had the right people to, at the show at the right time. Um, and, you know, label execs or an intern that worked in the label and they, they start talking their label guys. Like I just saw this band I'd never heard of just sell out chain reaction, you know, yeah. which is like 600 people. And they're like, what? And then, you know, it just kind of started the buzz and we got signed to Epitaph for a third show wow. ever. And I, Again, I had no, I remember getting calls from Brett Gerwitz, him pleading, like, please work with us. And I was just like, wow, this is a guy who I've respected and a label I've dreamed to be on since I was a kid. And I, and I have Brett, the owner, like schmoozing me, right? you know, taking us out to dinners and lunches to work. And we had a bidding war. We had like five different labels interested. And again, it, it all comes back to like, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. Cause we were in a, we were in a crazy time when labels were still, you know, going after no name, they call them baby bands. Sure. Cause we had no fan. I mean, we had a fan base in Orange County, but we had beyond that, nothing. Uh, we didn't even have a van and trailer to go tour. We had nothing. Literally we had, we had crappy equipment. Right. Um, half the time our heads and guitars weren't working, um, before we got signed. And, um, Brett really believed in us. A lot of money in time goes from getting us into the studio, buying us all brand new equipment. And, you know, I, to this day, I, it was a, it was a, it was a weird five years, and I always like myself because it's like we did so much, and, and we were only around for five years. That's what people always. It's hard to believe. Get. It's hard to believe. Yeah, yeah I, like barely five years. If you can, if you think about it, we broke up middle of 2010, so yep. um, it wasn't wasn't even five years really. And uh, you know, I was in, you know, I was in other bands and for years and years, and you know never really mounted to much. And that's why I have so much fond memories of I Am Girls. I, I really do appreciate all the members in the past that were you know, in the project. And you know, It's the same for anything in life when you're in music. You, you go through rough spells and then you go through good spells. Right. It's the bands that can get through the rough spells and kind of keep trugging that are the ones that are successful. Because by all means, it wasn't... After we got signed, that's when actually got tough for us because then we had to go on tour and prove to ourselves and our fans that we, you know, we're, you know, we do belong in Epitaph. Because at the beginning, there's a lot of doubters. Like, who is this band? They didn't pay. Big thing was they didn't pay their dues. They didn't oh, okay. Third show ever. Fuck them. I had this friend's band been around for 15 years. They never, you know. I'm like, well, what do you want us to do like not sign because right. we, you know, of course we're going to sign, you know. But I believe that our live show always backed it up. I always tell people. You know, we may address like vampires on stage, yeah, right. but we 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 brought it live. Oh like, yeah, we were one of those live bands that I'm really proud of. We, the musicianship of our guitarists Gabe and Timmy and Chad and the drummers like Justin and, and Ryan Seaman yep. and the bass players Ronnie and Brian. These guys are some of the best musicians I have ever. To come across the musicians that that I'm just had. You know, like I said, live, we, we backed it up with our performance. We, uh, you know, at the time, we were getting a lot of shit also, like this band walking on stage all in suit and ties and, you know, looking all all fabulous or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> looking, right. You know, but makeup and eyeliner, you know, and I know there's a lot of bands that 
that did it, but they never backed their stage performance up. They were kind of mediocre. They, it was more it was more focused on how good we look rather than our musicianship or our music or our songs. Right. With Iron Ghost, it was completely different. I feel we brought it to the, you know, our looks were out there and kind of epic to a point. But when it come, came to our physical music, we were... We brought it. We, yeah. there, I, I, I felt like we were one of the best live bands you can think of. And not cocky or, you know, but I really honestly believe that. And, you know, with guitarists playing, and Timmy and Gabe and, and Chad to um, our drummers to Ryan and, you know, Justin and bass player and Brian and, you know, Ronnie Ficaro, these guys to this day are the best musicians I've ever seen and, and I've been doing this for a long time and I'm, I, I, it's crazy how I was lucky enough to find these guys because, I, you know, like I said, it's it's rare to be this lucky for a band because right. a lot of bands, especially at the start, you go through a lot of trials and tribulations and try to find the right people until it works and for some reason it just works right off the bat and then I always, you know, have really great memories of the, these guys and girls. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's great to hear. And I can, I mean, people that listen to the show know that I go to concerts. I, I mean, my whole life has been going to shows. I mean, back from when I used to play in bands to, to now, I still constantly go to shows. And I remember seeing you guys multiple times and you're still up there. Oh, nice. oh for sure. You're still up there as one of the best bands I've ever seen live. Like there's, what, uh, what yeah. state were you from? So, what state was it? So this was Mass. So I'm I'm doing the show from Boston. So I've seen you in Massachusetts uh, at Middle East. Oh, nice. And I've seen you at another place, and I always forget, but you were with the, the, the one of my favorite shows was when you were with uh, the Birthday Massacre. Uh, I thought that oh, was nice. great. Yeah, that was, that was a really great show. And that's like, so I already consider, um, and I, I had to say this because we've, we've done a whole episode dedicated to uh, what Craig and I consider masterpieces. And it's not to, you know, I wouldn't have you on the show if I didn't love your music. I have uh, Lover's Requiem as one of my all-time masterpiece albums. So, Oh, nice. Oh, for sure. And for me to see you do that live uh, with, and I love Bone Garden too. I love all your stuff, but that, that album just hit me at the time. That's why when you talk about other bands, like, uh, you know, saying you didn't pay your dues. I don't know many bands that have been able to back it up the way you have. Because not only was your stage presence amazing and your vocal and all the instruments were played perfectly for that show with um, high energy and all of that. But then also your music itself uh, is back. To, it's almost like you were before your time. If you uh, we, started... get that, we get that more than anything. I, yeah, I, right. I read, you know, sometimes people send me links to chat boards or a YouTube comment and whatever. And, you know, a lot of responses have been like, man, this band was doing stuff that either bands aren't, have never done to this day or they're doing now. And I do believe we were, we were five years before our time. And um, when we did play live, if you notice, it was always... I don't know. We always had a sense of like us against the world, kind of reckless abandonment on stage. We, we, we had a lot of naysayers, so we kind of went on stage and all right, you know, obviously you see us. This is for people that have never heard of us, you know, or, or were there for the birth, same birthday massacre, there for Under Oath or whatever, sure. whoever we're opening for. You know, we walk on stage and I know the first thought is, oh God, this band's going to be this goth band. They're going to be play some lame music. 
to be all just smoke and mirrors and just look how good I look. And at the first song, we go in, you know, I don't know, what's, usually we'd start like Our Fred Lazarus Sleeps or yeah. Bone Garden or whatever. And I would know by the end of the show, by the just amount of merch we'd sell or by the people talking to us, the main focus or what, a lot of people would come up to me going saying was, was I've never heard of your band, but oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy your album. And I was like, wow, thank you. That's exactly what we're here for is to turn heads. And, you know, the energy was something that I had to, you know, it was, it was, a, it was rough sometimes because oh, sure. you keep the energy up every night, you know, 300 days a year trying to prove yourself. Um, and it was always trying to prove yourself. It didn't matter if it was, um, later on when we were actually bringing crowds to see us or early on when no one cared about us, you know, we, we brought it to matter if there's five people in the crowd or 500 or 5,000, we brought the same intense intenseness to every show. Right. Um, and through sickness and girl breaking up with your girlfriend right before you play, <laughs> like there, you have to keep that fake face and walk on stage going, how are you guys doing tonight? You know, even though, you know, I had a show in, um, I was in Paris, actually, when I was on tour in Europe, mm-hmm. and my uncle passed away from cancer, and I got oh. the call, like, an hour and a half before I went on stage, and he was a very close school. Oh, man. Um, same happened to me. My grandma passed away when I was on tour um, in Florida. I got the call, like, it, it always seemed like I had a call, like, right before I played, too. It was never, like, never after I played or early in the morning. It was always, like, an hour before I had to walk on stage. Right. I'd get some bad news or something, and you kind of have to, you know, like I said, play it. Yeah, just play kind of through fake it. it. Right. Play through it. And, you know, that's why when I, I see kids or fans or, or other fans of other bands and I, I see them talk about, you know, I met Bert from the U's and he was really rude to me after the show. He wouldn't talk to me and fuck him. I always want to just reply, go, you don't know what that guy went through that day. You, you know don't know if he so, had two hours sleep right. because he was sick the night before. He may have just gotten a huge fight with his girlfriend, the son, his wife, or his, found his baby sick, or then he found out his, he got dropped from his label, and uh, right before, like you don't know right. what we go through, and the fact that we don't want to like talk to you for two hours and sign your poster. I've always had a little thing about issue about that because sure. I, I, I mean, I always tried. I don't think I was ever a dick to anybody, but um, I would understand. I hope people would understand if I didn't want to talk to them that show, if I had something horrible. And I don't think I have to owe it to them right. to sit there and explain how shitty my night went. You know, I think they should just respect the fact that, hey, look, I showed up, I played my, I played a good show, you know, and I did everything I could to be there. And then, you know, besides that fact, you don't know what the musician goes through. Right. And it's actually, it's very funny that you mentioned that because our, I think it was our last show that we did, I actually did just go see the used, uh, did the two nights in a row, the 15th anniversary tour. And I took, oh, nice. yeah, I took my sister because she's a huge, she's been a fan since she was like 14, 15. I've been a fan since around that time too, and kind of fell off. Uh, but she was very excited and she made me wait, uh, because she wanted another picture with Bert cause she had one from that 14 years ago. And she got super pissed off because Bert made everyone wait for three hours to come out of his tour bus <laughs> so i was just laughing the whole time yeah. and i was mad at i wasn't mad at bert i was mad at her i was like come on you know better than this like you've been around bands before you know sometimes things don't work that way like why are you even you never waiting know. yeah 
they might they might have been in their tour bus um, having some de- crazy meeting about who they're going to have to kick out, or maybe they just fired their manager and they're talking about what they're going to do next. Or maybe they found out a few shows were canceled um, and they had to figure out where they're going to go next, and they have to like figure what they're going to do. Or maybe he was just sick. You exactly. Know, yeah. No. Right. There's just so many factors that go on in bands, especially bands that get to that point when you're burnt from the use and you got, you know, hundreds of kids sitting outside waiting. And it's not just like one kid where you have to go out and sign his poster and give a, a quick hug. I mean, he knows if he goes out there, he's going to be out there for an hour. He knows that. Yeah, it wasn't. So, I will say at least it wasn't that bad. It was like 20 people. But it was still, yeah. But believe yeah, me, I completely that, even that. Well, yeah. I'm just, I guess at least a half. I mean, you got to think a, a oh. minute, two minutes, three minutes per person. Um, if you really want to, you know, not you know, kind of just give them a, the time of day. So you got to. That's almost you know, times about three minutes a person. That's almost oh, yeah. an hour. And right. Um, yeah, and you know, kids, I, I, I get it. I, I have favorite bands when I was a little kid too, and I'd wait outside. And, or I'd be the kid in the first line, and they'd walk in doing sound check, and I wanted to sign my shirt or whatever. Oh sure. And I think we all get it. We we, we all do. But it doesn't. It all changes once you become that person. Right. You become that musician, and you're touring. And you know, I I always thought it was apple. It was just peaches and cream, and it was just like these guys are having are just having the greatest time of their lives. And how could it possibly be like bummed to be on tour? And then you start going on tour, and you're like, all right. It isn't all peaches and cream. There's a lot of issues that goes on. Um, more issues than I can even probably say in this interview. It's just, it oh, just sure. so much that goes on in touring. And um, so I just tell people, just, you know, just just listen to their music and love them as musicians, yep. love their music, love them, you know, it's, it's, if, they couldn't, if you couldn't get a picture with them that show, just wait till the next show and, and it probably will be different, you know? Yeah. That's and I'm I'm the same exact way. I know, especially now. I mean, now, you know, all the bands come out with their merch tables. Like, it's very rare to meet a band that's not completely out for you to go talk to them at any point in the show. It's almost like people are a little spoiled now, because yeah. that seems to be the way it is. Like, if someone doesn't come out, they're firing on them on Twitter or whatever it happens to be. Uh, and it is a little strange. Well, let me ask you this. So you had mentioned uh, you had mentioned people in the past that you would wait for. Uh, were there specific bands that you've loved growing up that kind of influenced your music, or someone you would wait three hours for to get a picture or to have an autograph? Yeah, the, the band that I think this, that changed my life and made me who I am as a musician and frontman was uh, a band called the Suicide Machines um, from Detroit, Detroit, Michigan. Oh yeah, and. Um, they're they're a punk ska band, a more more aggressive punk rock, like old school punk with hardcore. They they had like hardcore breakdowns and stuff, but they'd have like ska parts. But this was like in you know, two thousand two thousand one era type type deal. Yeah. And um, I remember being such a huge fan of their first album, Destru- Destruction by Definition. I would I would literally get there three hours, four hours before doors, and I'd be like the only one like sitting oh, wow. there. You know, and I remember it was they were opening their no they were doing a, a their CD release show at the, the Roxy Theater in Hollywood. I remember being went by myself because none of my other friends really dug them, but I I they're like my all time favorite band. Right, sitting by myself in the front by the door, and seeing their bus pull up, and then seeing them all get out and the door open because Danny is so early and he didn't get there yet. They're loading, and just watching them walk in, and, and I remember. 
walking up to the center, just going, oh, my God, that's Jason. I can't believe it, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And he was so effing cool. He was like, yeah, man. He's like, want to come in and, like, hang out, get out of the sun? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I remember he let me come inside. He let me um, sit down at one of the tables in the back. I watched their sound check. He talked to me for like a few minutes. And to me, to this day, I've always this the kind of guy I've always wanted to emulate. And especially the way he hand the, the the mic off to kids and and his utter just reckless abandonment on stage <laughs> was just like something I've always wanted to do. Um, and, you know, that copied, but, you know, emulated in my stage presence was something that if there's anybody, it was probably him. Um, and it's funny because all these people are always like, oh, you must be, you know, interviews, you must be really fans of, they always named goth bands and Susie and the Banshees or X or I don't know. Yeah. AFI. Other, yeah, sure. AFI. Yeah. Just dark, which is, I'm, I'm a fan of AFI. Oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> they'll name these like old bands, um, gothy bands. And I'm like, I've never been a fan of those bands. Right, right. I'm not really honest. I am old school punk rock. I, and, you know, TSOL and Bad Region and No Effects and, you know, Dead Milkman and stuff like that. That's oh, yeah. something that was that really got me into into music. And I would always listen to music while drawing. And it, music was always a part of me, but it never was something that I saw I could do for a living. That's that's for sure. I was just I came across music completely by luck. And my whole life would be completely different if I didn't go to that one. So how I got into music was. I went into, uh, I lived in Malibu at the time, okay. this was probably in the late 90s, and uh, um, I just went to this random house party with my friends, and there was a band playing, um, who I, I guess they just lost their singer, because they were doing a bunch of sublime covers oh, with okay. no singer, Yep. and they were, they were having people come, like if you knew the song, they would like have friends come on and just sing along, it was almost, almost like a karaoke, yep. and I, I remember that they did like a center some pop or sublime song that I knew. And I remember just grabbing the mic and maybe a little, maybe a little tipsy or buzzed or whatever. <laughs> a little blurry, but <laughs> I remember doing the song and then them just come up to me afterwards going, Hey man, we, we need a singer if you're interested or, you know, if you want to try out. And I, at the time I said, no, I was interning at, I was interning going to college, working at family's restaurant. Okay. Um, I, I had no, it, it, no inclination of ever being a musician or being in a band at the time. I was like barely out of high school. Right. And, but they kept bugging me. I kept staying in the coffee shops around Malibu and they were just like, we haven't found a yet. Please try out. I was like, all right. So I remember trying out and the rest is history. I was <laughs> months ago. And, um, you know, if I never went to that party, I don't know how my life would be. I don't, I don't, I don't believe I'd be, there'd be any I am ghost. I don't believe there'd be anything music buys for me because I probably would have taken a completely different direction in my life. Wow. So wait, so you never had any vocal training at all? Well, I consider doing the musicals vocal training because oh, sure, sure. Um, yep. when, especially when you're young, we'd have to sit in sessions with the piano, um, the piano uh, guy and a singing coach and we would do our, you know, we would do our singing lessons. So I, I, I think I learned in the early age. Okay. And then later on I started they're, they're, especially with touring, I was losing my voice a few tours. After the tour was over, I would almost have no voice at all. Right. So I had to start going to lessons uh, to learn how to be a touring musician and scream. Because the thing, it wasn't about singing that was blowing my voice out. It was a screaming aspect. Ah, that's, that's what that's I was going to ask next. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, that was tearing my voice apart, and because it wasn't just me, I wasn't just the screaming of the band where I probably could do it, but I was singing an entire chorus and then going right straight into a scream, right? Then back into a verse and the screaming parts, and then going back. It was back and forth, back and forth. Um, a lot of bands now will just have one guy who just does just the screams, and yes. one guy will just sing. Right. For me, it was completely different. I was doing both, and that really was that really was tough. There's yeah. A lot of tours were. There was there was a few tours I barely pulled it off. Oh right like, right, yeah it's. Then, oh, I remember I, I saw a video on YouTube recently. Um, it was some festival in LA. I don't even remember. It was like such a blur, but I watched it and um, I, it's so bad. Like my voice is oh, no. so <laughs> just destroyed. You can tell like even between songs, I'm like, you can you can just tell like I have like laryngitis or something's going on. Uh, in YouTube, like once you play a shitty show or show, it's there. It's on the internet. It's just there. Yeah. Yeah, and people, you know, people are probably like, "Wow, this guy, this guy's voice is ragged." But I wish they would, they they would understand that was a probably after like sixty shows. Oh sure. In you know a three month span, and you know I probably and it's tough, it, but you know whatever I I did the best I could. So yeah, I mean, and then also you have a great live album. Uh, with I Am Ghost Out as well. So if anyone ever had any issue, they should just pick that up. Yeah, that that was done, which is really cool because that was that's, we, they let us come in really early. I think we got there like at noon. And we spent hours upon hours putting microphones around the venue, getting our, a really good sound check. All of us had in-ear monitors. Um, and it was a show where I wish that we could have done like something like that every show because we would have had, if we would have had the amount of uh, access to what we had at that show and the amount of prep time to sound that good, we, we would have done it. But I mean, a lot of time, you know, most venues won't do, do not allow you to get there that early. Plus, you know, we rented a lot of really good equipment for that show right. to kind of push it to the, you know, another level. But, um, you know, when you have these huge bands that are playing arenas and stuff, you now you can kind of figure out, okay, this is why they sound so good. They they have just the great equipment and they have really great sound people, you know, helping them. For sure, yeah, absolutely. So let me let me ask you this. Uh, so for your for your touring and uh, you know all the touring you did, and even with the with the negative moments, is there is there, are there a few times, at least one time, that really stood out to you? Whether it was like an amazing set or you got to tour around with uh, with bands that you really love being around, was there any like major moment that kept you going? Uh, I think for us was when we every time we went to Europe, every every time we did a tour in Europe, which we went there three times, three or four times, and every time we'd be in some weird, crazy country. I just remember just being on the bus, looking at the guys, going, "How the hell did we get here?" <laughs> like the the one one show was was Czech Republic. I remember um, we headlined a festival in front of like fifty thousand people. And then when we got there, and I'm I was really nervous because they the our agent told us that we were we were going to headline it, and I was like, "Why are we headlining a this you know country near Russia? Right? At, you know, a fifty thousand seater." place and we get there and we walk in and there's a banner the size of like i don't know three stories high with i am ghost oh wow very top and all these you know all these other really good european bands below us and i was just like god 
I was really nervous. Uh, for one, I was hoping there was going to be people there. Right. But it was a huge festival. There was like 50,000 people. And we walked on stage, I don't know, around 11 o'clock at night. And um, it was one of those like magical things. You walk off, oh my God, like, how did we get here? Because we're just these kids from like Orange County, California. Right. <laughs> and, you know, starting a band in my garage and waiting outside of venues for people, begging people to like take our CD and no one giving a shit about us at the early start. And then to, to be touring in, in, in Europe and playing these shows, you just kind of like have to pinch yourself. Cause you, I don't know. It was one of those things where I, I, I've yet to come back to that feeling of walking off stage for that many people and feeling that good about myself going, wow, all this stuff that we had through. And this was after we lost a bunch of important members like Kareth and Brian right. this was later on where a lot of people doubted that we could continue without them to go to, to, and be touring Europe and, and doing very well and having a lot of people show up for us was something that, you know, to this day, I think all, a lot of the members look upon that show as something that was kind of like life changing for us. I wonder, and that's, I mean, that's an amazing story. I, I wonder what I hope, what I hope for the band then is when you guys do this show in October in Chain Reaction that you kind of get that feeling back. I mean, is that, is that one of the, you don't want to say it's a goal, but is, has that crossed your mind that maybe you're going to get that spark back after uh, doing that show? Well, we, we talked about it on the phone recently. Me and Ronnie Sakaro, we were talking about it, because the show's a little sold out, and we were like, one of the issues was, dude, what if this show sells out, like, next month, and, you know, there's, like, four months of, of nothing, you know, and we're going to spend all this time to, like, you know, get our set down and, and get back together and practice and, and get all new merch for one show, like, do you want to maybe do, if this show does sell out, do you want to do another show? And Ronnie was like, yeah. And we were like, well, what if, what if the show goes really well and the next show sells out? What do you want to do? And right. he was kind of like, I don't know. And we <laughs> kind of like stopped and we didn't really think about it that much. We were kind of like, wow, what if, what if? Like, we don't know yet because we haven't physically gone on that stage yet right. and and see how we feel but you there, i can't say 100 percent. hell no i'll never this is it because you know you never should say that i learned the hard way you should never say never right. um um if you never know like you said we can meet up and the show might go so amazing and we just feel we sparked and reanimated we might do five more shows we might that might be or it might be it that right. might be the only let me the last time you ever see us again i don't I don't really know. I mean, I think everybody in the band has lost our um, animosity or anything in the issue like that happened five years ago when we broke up. Anything that would, and it's all petty. It's all stupid. Oh sure. Stupid, almost high school bullshit of of why we broke up and why I quit. And we look back. All of all of us kind of like laugh at now. We're just like, wow, <laughs> we're completely different people. And it's just the way life is. And time does yeah. really time does heal wounds like it really does. And that's great to hear. Now let me ask you this then too on on a follow up for that. Uh, so did you ever or have you? I you know maybe it's a surprise. Who knows? But did you ever reach out to uh, Kareth or Brian about coming back for that show coming up? We we did we did actually uh, we emailed them and our guitarist Gabe contacted them and, and physically talked to them and. I don't really, to be fully honest, I haven't talked to Kareth O'Brien since they quit in like right. 2007 or 8. Um, I think it was like end of 2007. Yeah, probably because, them. 
Yeah, after Lover's Requiem came out and you went on tour. Yeah, they did. They made, they did like I believe we did uh, a few more tours together. We did uh, we did a lot of touring with Europe. Yep. Did the Kerrang tour. I, we did probably like four or five U.S. tours with them. Um, and um, you know, we made it. We made a commitment. I originally wanted to get everybody back for the show. We tried, and it just seems like they have no at all any. Uh, they have no energy to want to come back into it. They, and I, I, I'm, we're not mad or anything. Oh, no. We know that their lives are completely different. They're, she's a, she's a school teacher. I think she's like a fifth grade school teacher, and he is a, uh, I believe he's a minister at a church. Oh, okay. Right? He has to do something with the church. And um, they live in Boise, Idaho. The rest of us all live in California. We all live relatively close to each other. And, and I just, you know, they... Again, they when they started I am when we started I it was kinda like I don't think they none of us knew what we were getting ourselves into. They show up and they try out for the band and then three months later we're on Epitaph Records. Right. And we're touring the world and they never were in any bands before I am Ghost where the rest of us, we've all been there, done that and you know, been in a million different punk rock hardcore bands and tried to make it and, and we've all of us toured in other bands and we kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into and I think when they joined they had no idea and uh, I and I respect them to this day like I Karis brought so much to that, that album and we uh, I have no animosity towards them and I I don't really believe they have any animosity towards us I just think that it just doesn't interest them I just don't think that they have any uh, any interest in playing a show with all of us because it was such a long time ago I mean true. for them Right. The rest of us continued another four years, three three years without them, right? Yeah. And um, create a lot more memories without them. And um, so I think to them it was a fun because again they're only in the band for a couple years. So to them I don't, I don't think it was much. Uh, it was much, but just a few memories, you know, a good two year memory of us. But I don't think it was much more than that. Yeah, it might be it might be not exactly, but maybe a similar situation to when from first to last was getting together to do their new album and reached out to Sonny Moore to come back. And it's just like there's been so much time and so much different in, you know, lifestyles and everything that it just doesn't work the same way. Yeah, and I know Sonny and I, I I've known him for, for a long time and he was on the same they were on the same label as us at the time. Yeah. And we did a bunch of shows together, and uh, you know I I know him very well, and I I know him. He's like a true artist. Like after from first to last, he did his own Sunny Moore project, which is basically him on acoustic, and yep. And um, then obviously now he's Skrillex, and but um, he is a passionate artist, and he I think like I said, he like almost with Carrot, like been there, done that. I, from first to last was like my was a cool time in my life. Probably he was you know 15 when he joined. Right. Um, so, you know, but, you know, and I don't know this, I don't know the true re- reasons for them personally, why he didn't come back. There might be more to it than just that. I know for us, we reached out to them. They said no. And we just said, okay. Yeah. You know, and we were going to do it without them anyway. So at least we made the attempt. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, that's all I can say. Yeah. And I think that's great for the fans to make, because you have, you have music, just like you said, that you made after they left. Um, you guys have gone in completely different directions. I mean, look, uh, I even think Requiem uh, is a great band, and Requiem, you kind of continued on that same I Am Ghost path with uh, with some differences. 
uh, but you've made so much music since they left the band. It was, I think, it was a, I think it was a great idea to reach out, but it makes sense that uh, that they wouldn't necessarily be interested. Well, I mean, and that's the thing with me is if you look at my discography of all the music I've done in my life, there's never, I, there's never, every band is completely different. I don't, I don't do music because I just want to be a rock star and come on stage and play some bullshit for people. I, I physically, when I start a project. I wanted to have its own identity and its own entity. I knew when I started Requiem for the Dead, when after I Am Ghost, the people were going to pigeonhole us as um, I Am Ghost, obviously, my voice. But um, we were very different at yes. that time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more industrial feel, a lot more um, just, you know, a little more simplistic in the playing, but more industrial backing tracks. And, and I shit for it. People just like, what's this? This is not I Am Ghost. And I was like, of course it's not. If it was right. I Am Ghost, I would have just not left I Am Ghost. I would have... Continue doing I Am Ghost. Right. Um, but then when, when Requiem for the Dead became Requiem, you know, I just didn't want to do the same Requiem for the Dead album, so we changed. And right. I know there are many people in the world that do not like change, and they see their favorite artist do anything different, they flip out. And I, I get it. I understand why, because they so fall in love with that album. But I, you have to understand this point of view is that they're the ones that have to play these songs every day on tour. Right. They're the ones that have to, you know, sit in the studio and record it. So, you know, you got a little bit of leeway. And if you, and if you, and say you like one of their albums and then you don't like the next one, like, there's no harm in it. Just listen to the one you like. Right. Don't listen to the one you don't like. Doesn't mean you have to hate bands. I know a lot of these kids will, will, uh, you know, with I Am Ghost, came out of those leave behind and people flipped out. They're like, this isn't Love and Requiem. And I was like, of course it's not. You right. know, it's where we have three new members. And he, I, I believe even if we Harris and Brian and no one left, I almost can guarantee that the next album would have been completely than Love is Requiem. We didn't, yeah. we, we talked about it. As soon as Love is Requiem was done recording, we were talking about the second album. We were talking about, uh, it'd be really cool if we went in this direction. And Aaron was like, you re- yeah, so excited. And then, Obviously, it never happened, but um, you know, I, it, it's one of those things where you just got to do what makes you happy, and that's what we, that's anything that I had ever done in my life. It's yeah. I did it because it made me happy, and I can I learned that you can never make everybody happy. Whatever you do, your artwork <laughs> or your music, my book, I'm pretty sure it will come out, and there'll be people that are gonna love it, and I'm pretty sure there'll be people that are gonna think I'm the worst in the world. <laughs> I don't give a shit because right. I know. I, like you said, you're a, fan, you're a fan of Stephen King. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I re- actually just recently bought one of his, uh, one of his um, on Amazon, um, Amazon.com. I, so I have an iPad, so I just was like, I'm just going to buy his books. Sure. And I remember reading the comments, and people are just tearing Stephen King apart. Oh, it happens <laughs> all the time. Like, yep. And I'm like, this is effing Stephen King. And people are like, this, this writer, this book is terrible. I can't believe... Stephen King would come out with a book like this. I'm just like, my God. Yeah. My God. I, I'm totally with you. If I read, if I, and look, let's be honest, I mean, he's not perfect all the time, but the things that he's done, no. like I would never start saying, oh, Stephen King lost it because I didn't like one of his newer books. Like, it's just, it's impossible exactly. with the things he's given us. Like, why would you even bother, like, critiquing it? You know, like you said, it's he, he's a guy that is a, Comes comes out with like what two two books a year or three books, which is crazy. <laughs> it's insane because I've spent like 
three years now working on one book. Right, right. So I don't know how the guy does it. But um, he writes so many books, and it's you can't expect him to have gold every single book, you know. Right. And even, I don't know, there's, there's, there's books that I that I think that are highly overrated by him, that everybody just loves, and there's books that no one likes by him, and I think it's my favorite. So. Oh, sure. Well, let me ask you yeah. this before we before we wrap up, because, you wow, we have been talking for a while, and I really appreciate your time. Uh, do you have a favorite Stephen King book? My favorite, my favorite Stephen King book, let's see. Well, obviously, my favorite is It. Because yes. I, I got into that book when I was really young. That was my first, like, really big novel where I was really proud to finish it. Oh, very nice. Um, there, there's another really kind of low-key book, which is Harold's Game. Wait, um, say that, say that, that name no again? one really talks about. Harold's Game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, obviously, the Twin the, the, the Twin Tower. That's Twin Tower. <laughs> the the Tower Towers. series, which... Sure. The Twin Tower series. The Tower series <laughs> is really good, and I'm kind of excited about the movie coming out. Or They're making a movie based on... Um, series yeah we're covering um, that on my pet other cemetery podcast. And, yep. yeah pet cemetery is a good book um which you know is nothing like the movie i always tell people don't go based off these movies well um, right right <laughs> very true um the myth is really good good book it's, yep. it's really long compared he, he tends to go off in long tangents about weird things that have nothing to do with the story that's not that's another thing about Stephen king who you, you're going to either love him or hate him because he will go, you literally go off on like seven pages oh, for sure. on what the guy had for breakfast. <laughs> yep. That has nothing to do with the story, but that's him. That's how he writes. Exactly. So you either got to love it or hate it. So. Let, let me ask you this. So have you, have you read, cause I didn't hear it in your, in your list. Have you read the long walk at all? The long walk? No. If you have a chance, that's my all-time favorite Stephen King book. It's not that long. It's back when he was writing as uh, Richard Bachman, that pseudonym that he used. Is it the movie based off the Green Mile? No, no. This is one. They haven't made the movie yet. I think uh, uh, Frank Darabont, who does, uh, who used to do Walking Dead, and I think he did The Mist, he has the movie rights for it, but it hasn't been made. No, this, oh, is, nice. this is the one where uh, Running Man was kind of based off of, uh, but it's... Okay. It's a hundred. It's a hundred boys up to the age of I think it's around eighteen, and they're in this um, like dystopian, like militaristic future where they have the kids walk from Maine until they can't walk anymore. And if you go below four miles per hour, you get a warning. And once you get your third warning, they kill you. And it's this completely wow. before. It's completely before all the reality shows, like everything like that. And it's just character based. It's just boys walking on a walking on a road the entire time, but it's captivating. Nice. So yeah, if you have any time, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of if you're a fan of Stephen King, I should I should send you a link to the book. I'd love maybe to get your opinion on it. That'd be really cool. Oh, I'd be always, I'd be absolutely uh, enthralled in that for sure. I'm trying to find people that appreciate the kind of story that he does, and or or fans of you know the horror horror fantasy because you know. I'm, I'm like, there's gonna be people that are into like love, love romance novels that are not gonna dig a horror fantasy novel. They're just oh, not their their style. Absolutely, everybody has their little their little you know their tidbits ni- of what they they dig. Very but, true. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll maybe send you an email. I have your email. So we'll oh yeah, no, that'd be great. Well, Stephen, let me let me wrap this up and uh, just say thank sure. you very much. 
I'd like to, uh, I mean, look, I could talk to you forever, but I know better than that. I know, I know I'll just start rambling. Uh, but let me at least say this, uh, because I am such a, a huge fan. And I mean, your music is one of the reasons why I have this podcast in the first place. Uh, so I just want to thank you for that. Uh, the Most Beautiful Nightmare Part 2, uh, This Is Home, uh, two of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, like I said, uh, Lover's Requiem is, and to me, is a masterpiece. Uh, so I just wanted to thank you for all that. Thank you for the uh, the great music you've shared with everyone. And I am really looking forward to the book because, just like you said, uh, I started uh, following you a long time ago. I'm going to continue with your work because, uh, yeah, I'm just a, I'm a very big fan. So thank you. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it.